Good morning, Gilman Church of Christ. How are you today? It is great to see you on this Sunday morning before Memorial Day. In John 15, it says, Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. And tomorrow, it is love that what, is what we are celebrating. The love that men and women have had to lay down their life. And so I wanted to wish you a, a happy Memorial Day as we celebrate love. I'd also like to congratulate all of the teachers, administrators, and students who, I guess it's the last week of school. It's next week, right? How do you guys feel about that? Addie, how do you feel? Uh, having a bit, you feel pretty good? <laughs> I want to congratulate you. Summer vacation is near. Uh, we were dropping off our kids uh, to school last week, and all our kids go to the same school. We have a, a, fifth, a fifth grader, fourth grader, second grader, and a kindergarten, and they all go to the same school, Alex Sanger Elementary, uh, which we talked about. And uh, it is a, it's a great school, and we were, my wife and I were reminiscing about how the year has progressed. Because little Mac, little Mac, many of you know little Mac, he's a very gregarious, gregarious, outgoing guy, but he had a very hard time integrating into kindergarten. Uh, he was nervous. The first day went okay, but the second day when we tried to drop him off, uh, we kind of had that, that terror in his eyes where he was reaching for us with tears and we were trying to walk away and he was screaming. The, the next day was even worse. And it came to the point where he wouldn't even walk into the school. Uh, we would take him there, and all his brothers and sisters would, would go in, and he would be outside, and he would refuse to walk into the building. How awkward is that? You're standing outside of the school, trying to convince your kindergarten son to go inside, and he won't budge an inch to go inside his building. Well, it just so happened that we were having a standoff outside of the school at Sanger early in the year. And there was this eighth grader named Jonathan, a big, tall, strong eighth grader. And his job was to open the doors for the cars that would come so that parents had to get out. And he noticed that little Mac was having a hard time. And so he saw the situation. He went over to us and he looked at Mac and said, hey, do you like Pokemon? That's the way the fifth guy, the kindergartner's heart is Pokemon heart. I have these Pokemon cards. If I give them to you, can I walk you to your class? And Mac, his, his posture just changed automatically. And he let go of our hands and walked with this kid, Jonathan, to his kindergarten class. Well, for the next two months, Mac would only go into school if Jonathan would accompany him. And it was really hard if Jonathan wasn't at school that day, if he was sick. Because we had the same stand-up, and he would request Jonathan. And Jonathan, this big, there's a picture of Jonathan and Mac right here. I took a picture of him. Look how big this kid is. Would you be nervous walking into this school with, with Jonathan by your side? Jonathan took little Mac, and they would hold hands while walking into school each and every day. Because Jonathan, he saw, he saw Mac. He saw that he was scared. He saw that he was nervous. And Jonathan, this big, strong eighth grader, ruled the school. He knew that he could take care of Mac and bring him to his class. This is an amazing story of love, of kindness, of joy. And it reminded me of this, 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 this man that we 
we serve, that we have come here to worship today, named Jesus. Because this is something that Jesus would do. This is a straight up Jesus thing. What would Jesus do? Jesus would do what Jonathan did. And he would walk this kid back into his class and be that comfort and care. There's a common theme in Scripture, if you look at Jesus, a common narrative that we see in and out of every, each and every story. It's that whenever there is an in-group, an in-group, and there is a group that has been pushed to the edges, Jesus always goes to the edges. If there is a group that's been kicked to the curb, Jesus always goes to them and spends time with them on this curb. If there's someone in the stories of Scripture that wasn't being listened to or wasn't being regarded, Jesus always would go and He would listen to them. Time and time and time again, you can see this constant narrative throughout Scripture, this common theme threaded throughout the entire Scripture that Jesus is always including. He's always engaging the neglected, the ostracized, the marginalized, the not good enough. Jesus is always there with this group of people. I mean, think about it. He hung out with the tax collectors. These, these tax collectors in Scripture were some of the most hated men in that day and age by the Jewish people, and Jesus would die with them. I mean, there's that famous story in Luke 19 about a guy whose name starts with Z and Achaeus. You guys know that story? He's a pretty short guy that was on the tree, and Jesus invited him down and ate at his house. Something that was amazing. Matthew, the, the author of the gospel, was a, was a tax collector. Jesus met with tax collectors. The Samaritan woman in John chapter 4. Did you know that it was uncommon for a man to, to really engage and speak with a woman in that day and age? And Jesus was there by the well and, and engaged questioned and had an amazing conversation with the Samaritan woman. The woman caught in adultery in John chapter 8. A woman where, where society was ready to kill and Jesus was writing in the sand, let he who without sin cast the first stone. Those in the ladies' Bible class, we, we studied the gospel of Luke this past year and time and time again you saw in this gospel that those who were ostracized, those whose society was marginalized, those who were pushed to the edges were always put in the forefront because Jesus saw them as important. Jesus saw them as vital, as important people. And Jesus too, whenever he encountered people or systems with very strict set of rules for who was in and who was out, Jesus always challenged those categories. Jesus always challenged those systems that would say you were in and you were out. Long story short, Jesus was a boss. He is so awesome. I mean, yes, this guy Jesus is amazing. He's so captivating. He's so, he's so, you know, just... The charisma that Jesus has to, to capture us all in. Jesus is the reason that we are all here today. The story of Jesus and who he is and how he chose to use his life. I mean, there are times 
Whereas if you're like me, you've wondered if this idea of church is a good idea. You know, coming here on Sunday mornings, waking up early. It's, it's sometimes you, you, you question, is this, is this what I want to do with my time? But time and time again, it's the story of Jesus that brings me back here. It's why I'm standing here right now preaching this word. Because I am absolutely captivated, enamored with this man, Jesus. The visible representation of the invisible God here on the earth. Jesus is compelling. He is a boss. He is amazing. And Jesus and his attention to the ostracized and the marginalized, we can all relate to this. We can all resonate with this. Because I would sense that all of us at some point in our life, we have felt on the outside. Haven't we? You felt ostracized or, or, or not good enough for that you are not included in this group of people or, or, or you, you may not have the right credentials to get in this area. We all feel at times isolation and loneliness. We all feel we can at times in our life sense that there's this feeling that maybe we we're not like everybody else. Maybe not good enough. But Jesus, he looks at us and he tells us with a deep calming voice through the stories that we read that he loves us more than ourselves. There's nothing that we could ever do that would ever change that in us. You see, one of my favorite Bible stories is in John chapter 5. The story of, of the cripple who was there at the pool of Bethsaida. And uh, if you would turn your Bible to John chapter 5, I'd love to read this and really see another instance of how Jesus was, would see the neglected, the marginalized, the ostracized. In verse 1 of John chapter 5, it says this, that sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. So the name Bethesda translates to the house of mercy. In the Greek, it translates to the house of mercy that people were there sitting beside this pool who needed mercy, who were sick, who were blind, who were lame. And it says, if you notice in the NIV, that verse 4 is actually omitted from your Bible. In the New King James, it gives a little more insight into what verse 4 says. But the story was that around this pool, that occasionally, an angel of God would come down and he would stir the waters of this pool. And the first person who jumped into this pool after the water was stirred would be healed and would receive the, the needed healing that they were searching. In verse 5, it says that one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, 
Do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Well, let's pause right here. 38 years? This guy was sitting by the pool for 38 years? That's older than I am. I mean, just by one year. But still, it's older than I have been alive. That This guy would be waiting by the pool for 38 years. And if for some reason the pool started to stir, all these other people would jump in first and he would feel ostracized and left out. And he was unable to get in there and receive healing. I mean, can you imagine how for 38 years, how painful it must have been to see other people jump in that pool before him and him not be able to, to be sitting there feeling forgotten, alone. I just can't even imagine this individual sitting there for 38 years wanting healing. I mean, this guy is the definition of someone who is neglected, someone who was marginalized, someone who's been kicked to the curb. I mean, no one had the decency. I mean, you would think that they would have had a, a, a sign-up list. You know, like, they would have organized themselves like they do for the CDC uh, sign-up. And someone that, you know, the, the boss would have put their name on because based on time. And this guy, with 38 years, you'd think that he would have been at the top of the list, you know? But they, they, weren't, they weren't as organized, maybe, as they would have liked them to be. And so there wasn't a system. And so for 38 years, this guy had to sit and wait and watch tons of people jump into that pool before he did. This is a textbook example of someone who's been forgotten. Someone who's marginalized. Someone who is on the outskirts. And yet Jesus, in 38 years, Jesus was the one who stopped, who paused, who spoke to him, who looked him into the eye, and who asked him, asked him, what do you want? In verse 8, Jesus says to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was the Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. All right, let's pause right here. This is so frustrating. So unbelievably, undeniably frustrating that this man for 38 years was sitting by this pool of Bethsaida and all of a sudden he is walking for the first time and all they can say Hey, you shouldn't be carrying your mat to Saturday. We have two examples of someone who sees. Jesus saw. He looked into the soul of this man. And then we have the religious leaders in this next verse. They, they're being all legalistic on him. Not, they don't see him. They see the system. They see the process. They see the institution. They, they don't see him. They see something different. In fact, Jewish law, I looked it up because I was so confused. How is carrying your mat on the Sabbath a sin? So just so for your knowledge, just in case you get healed after 38 years, 
at this pool. There was Jewish law that identified 39 different categories for activities that were prohibited on the Sabbath. 39 different categories. Well, number 39 was transferring between domains. You can't transfer between domains. And so by carrying his mat, he was breaking the 39th law by transferring. It, it signified that he was transferring domains as so they nailed him on that. But can you believe this? How often would we get lost in the minutia and we forget to see people? How often do we put policy ahead of people? This is something that amazing that happened. This man walked for the first time in 38 years, and yet they cannot see. All they can see are the rules and regulations and the legalism. They don't see the person. Verse 11, but he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up, pick up your battered box. And he's like, yeah, I, I just do what I was told. <laughs> And this guy told me to walk, and I did. Verse 12, so they asked him, well, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? Verse 13, the man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. I just want to, I love that, this aspect about Jesus, that like, he'll do something amazing, and then he'll just like disappear. <laughs> like, I just love, it's just so like James Bond of him. You know, he'll, do, he'll heal this guy for 38 years, and he turns around to thank him, and Jesus is like in the shadow that disappears. Like he, it's all about the people. It's about that person receiving life for the first time. Jesus is so, it's the way so sneaky but so smart because he knows the ultimate story. In verse 14, later Jesus found him at the temple. Mm, at the temple. So amazing. After 38 years, this guy is clean. Or he's healed and he clean, cleanses himself. And the first thing he does is go to the temple. And Jesus found him and said, See, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. This is one of those verses that's a little bit confusing in the scriptures. Uh, you know, this could explain that, you know, it could be that this condition that he had for 38 years was as a result of some sort of sin that he was doing. Or it could be that Jesus was talking about eternal, the eternal penalties of sin. But this man went away and told the Jewish leaders, that it was Jesus who had made him well. What an incredible story of this man for 38 years who was healed by Jesus because Jesus saw him. You see, throughout the ministry of Jesus, throughout the entire work of Jesus, Jesus, was, Jesus, his actions were consistently aimed at including people who were traditionally and systemically left out. Consistently, he would pursue people who were left out. At the time, the area of the religious culture that he was in, it was all about who was in and who was out. Who were the insiders and who were the outsiders? Who were clean and who were, who were unclean? But Jesus, you see, he included women. Jesus included children. He included foreigners. He included sinners. The unclean, the outcasts, the sick, even outlaws and murderers. The thief on the cross. Jesus was an example of how we should be with all humanity. How we should be with those who feel ostracized. 
Two prayers for us as a church that I'd like to end with today. Two small prayers that I would hope, based on the example of Jesus, that we, in this family, in this family of God, that we could exhibit and we could live. The first is, may we see with the eyes of Jesus the value, worth, preciousness of every individual's life. May we see with the eyes of Jesus the value, worth, and preciousness of every individual's life. My wife was reading this book recently, and I don't remember the name of the book. I don't remember what it was about. I'm sorry, I'm embarrassed to say this. All I remember is one comment that she mentioned that it addressed this tribe in Africa, and their greeting in Africa was Saurona. Saurona. And it was their greeting that was hello. Uh, that we would translate as hello, but in the original language, what that term means, what Saurunai literally means, is I see you. I see you. What an incredible way to greet somebody. I see you. You're not nothing to me. You are somebody. I see you. And so sometimes we've been saying that to each other occasionally, you know, hey, I see you. Saurunai. And there are occasions where I forget how to say it, and I just try to make up some word from the Lion King, like, you know my title. Or, you know, or, uh, Mufasa. Because <laughs> I can't remember, but it is Suwaranai. Su, Suwaranai, is that right? Mufasa. But this idea, this greeting, that I see you. And you know, Jesus, one thing about him that we can learn, that we want, that we should be as a community, is Jesus saw everyone. He saw everyone. He saw Udunai, every single person. You know, we talk about how Jesus was there for the outcasts and the marginalized. But you know, Jesus also was there for the rich and the religious. He was there for everyone. I mean, I think what stands out to us is so countercultural is that he would go for the ostracized and the marginalized and the forgotten. But at the same time, Jesus, Jesus would spend time on the rich, the rich young ruler. He hung, he hung out with him. Nicodemus, Jesus had a conversation with him. The point is that Jesus saw everyone as a person. He saw everyone. It didn't matter if they were rich or poor or this or that. Jesus saw them. May we see people. May we see them. Next time, you have a conversation with someone. May you be fully present in that conversation. May you see that person. See them. We oftentimes in this busy world with the phones and the and the and the work and the the, the long uh, trips we have to get to get to different destinations. Sometimes we have interactions with people. We're around people, but we don't see them. They're just there. They're just kind of just pawns who are just surrounding your world. But what if we saw people the way that Jesus saw people? Every single human life is valuable. Every single human life is precious. Everyone, from the poorest to the most wealthy, may we see as Jesus saw Oftentimes in scripture it says that Jesus would see somebody. And then it would say that he was moved to compassion. 
The second prayer is that may we as a church family, may compassion lead to action, inclusion, and invitation. You see, Francis Schaeffer once said that biblical orthodoxy without compassion is surely the ugliest thing in the entire world. Biblical orthodoxy without compassion is the ugliest thing in the entire world. If we can truly see the people that we are living, our neighbors, our coworkers, hear the story, the people who are asking for food on the street, people who come in for benevolence, if we can pause and if we can see them, and if we are moved to compassion, then we act and we include and we invite. There's some amazing stories that we hear all the time. Uh, here, and we could go around and tell stories of this happening. There's one story that we heard this last week. It has to do with, to do with Tom and Denny Kraft. They're not here right now, so we can give them a hard time uh, next time they're on a Sunday. But we heard for the first time this past week, we received an email from one of their neighbors. And apparently one of their neighbors who lived on their street has been going through a terrible time with a sickness. Uh, I believe a terminal sickness that hasn't been able to be healed. And for the past year, year and a half, I'm not quite sure how long, but on Wednesday nights, after the Grace Cafe is over, Tom and Denny Kraft, they take food to these people and they drop it in front of their, every week in front of their house so that they have something to eat. This is an example of, of Tom and Denny Kraft stopping and pausing and seeing the people around them, seeing a need, being moved with compassion, people who may feel alone, left out, ostracized, being stuck in their house with this sickness, and they saw something, they saw them, and they acted by bringing food to their house each and every weekend. And they didn't broadcast this. The only reason we know is because this family emailed the church to say thank you for what they have been doing. You see, this type of religion, this pharisaical religion, it says to people, hey, if you change, if you become different, then you can join us. But Jesus says, hey, join us, and you will change when you're here. And as we say, come as you are. Come as you are is, is a common phrase right now. There's a, a lot of churches that's even, you know, on big billboards, come as you are. And we can compliment that saying, come as you are, and let's change together. Because we all need growth. We all need transformation. And so we invite people to come as they are and enjoy, enjoy with us on the journey of transformation. We each week offer an invitation to all of you as well. If you feel neglected, or you feel ostracized, or you feel like no one is listening to your heart song, or you feel like you are different or alone in, in some capacity, we as your family tell you that you are not alone. We are committed to living life with you and praying with you and for you. If you need prayers at all, we are here for you up in the front, the elders on the side, also um, the person sitting next to you. And also, if you 
want to know more about Jesus and become his disciple. And if you are just as fascinated with Jesus as me and you want to know more, we have opportunities for that as well each and every week. But church, as we close today, may we as a church, may each and every one of us individually but also as a collective, may we see with the eyes of Christ. May we see the value of each and every human being. Every human life may we see the value because God is within us all. May we lean towards inclusion and not exclusion. And may we be a people of love and compassion. Why don't you come when we stand and we sing?